Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. Imagine the feeling of pulsing electric shocks. Sounds like a nightmare, right? While individual experiences may vary, it's how some people describe shingles. This painful blistering rash could interrupt your life for weeks. It could even force you to cancel social events or weekend plans. Over 99% of adults 50 years or older already carry the virus that causes shingles. One in three people will get it in their lifetime. Why wait? Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles today. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. I have a project that I'm working on, and someone had a staff member that was not vaccinated, who wasn't wearing a mask, working alongside my entire team. So my whole team, they are all vaccinated, was working with this person, this one, this wonderful person who's not vaccinated, who wasn't wearing a mask. I'm sort of flashing back and telling you the story as I found it out now. I didn't know any of this. I just know that we're all, they're all working together on a project for me. So then I get an email from my business manager and my COO as, you know, these emails happen and the whole house shakes that this person wasn't vaccinated, wasn't wearing a mask, didn't feel well, told everyone that they didn't feel well, knowing that they weren't vaccinated and now has COVID. So, of course, it's a shutdown. My whole staff, my business manager is literally here recording this podcast with me because uh, my whole staff is down. 
So then it became a conversation with myself and my COO. I said, you have to call them and say it's unacceptable that you have a non-vaccinated person without, you know, without telling us and that they're not wearing a mask. And my COO was like, I don't know that I'm allowed to ask that they have to know that their employers are vaccinated. And like, there are all these rules. And I started looking up HIPAA laws because you're not allowed to ask somebody about their medical history or what they're doing. And it's a private matter and all this, which, you know, it's a gray area. And by the way, if you are vaccinated or not vaccinated, that is your opinion. You know, I have a good friend who's not vaccinated. Other people have not spoken to people. My friend told me that she's like a pariah and people are bullying her. Um, I don't, She's in Florida, and I hope that she, I don't, she's not really going out or being with other people. She's been at her farmhouse for months, so she's just with her family. So I want to kind of understand what you all think about this, because I was really upset. And then I was upset because then it's like bad for me that I've exposed my team, but I didn't know this because I didn't know, you know, if I have someone come to my house, let's say they're giving me a massage or I'm having a meeting, you know, I say like I was vaccinated and they say I was vaccinated, which by the way has become less valuable because there are quote unquote, what my friend calls breakthrough cases. I was away in Nantucket. I was at a dinner with seven people. One out of the seven said that they got COVID and then the other two got COVID and the rest of us did not. There were four of us that did not. It's been well over 10 days now or a week to 10 days now. The rest of us did not. Of course, all of us were in a panic getting tested every other day and it's three to five days. My one girlfriend said to me, and of course, none of us know anything, but my one girlfriend said to me, who at the table had it before? I had COVID so bad. I had it 12 days. It was like a scary monster that kept lifting its hand up to pull me back down. It was a nightmare. The teeth chipping, the sweating, the horrible migraines, dehydration, fevers, brutal. So she said, who had COVID before? And I said, it's so funny, the four people at the table who did not get COVID from these people were people that had had it before. So everybody was vaccinated, but the three people who had breakthrough cases did not have it before. Doesn't mean it's a foolproof plan, but I thought that was very interesting, you know, because I've been, I was around someone all the time right before I got it. They didn't get it. So, you know, just because someone has it doesn't mean you're getting it. And then my doctor said, because I was worried about my daughter, if your daughter wasn't at that dinner, didn't have contact with that person, she likely won't have it. So that sort of secondary person is obviously not supposed to be as vulnerable. So my other staff... Most of my staff wasn't around the person who got COVID, but one member was. But I guess the bigger question is, I know some people aren't having people work and be around, I guess, clients or other employees if they aren't vaccinated. It's their personal choice to not be vaccinated, but maybe they can't work in the same way. Um, I know that there's this boat service that we sometimes take, and if the captains aren't vaccinated, my fiance, who has at very high at risk people in his family, won't be, go on that boat. It's a personal choice. The person who owns the company that has an employee who's not vaccinated, are they supposed to tell me, just so you know, so-and-so is not vaccinated, or are they supposed to just make sure so-and-so is always masked or both? Isn't it my choice? Am I supposed to know that information or not? Is that, are they not allowed to tell me that information because that's private information? I'm not even sure that I'm concerned about necessarily the law because I'm sure it's changing and no one's suing me for not wanting to possibly expose my staff, but I, and I'll fight that lawsuit. I want to know what you think. Like, are you, if you own a boat company and I'm taking a boat that day, is it your responsibility 
to let me know that the captain's not vaccinated? Or do you not know that information because that's private information? And is it or is it my responsibility as the person getting on the boat to ask the captain, which we've now done? So we number one, I think I've learned that we are all supposed to just ask everybody around us, because if they're not they're not employed by you, you're allowed to ask them. You can ask a person at a bar how old they are. So I assume you can ask a person if they're vaccinated. Maybe the employer can or or not go on the boat because I don't care about the mask and I just don't want to do it. So as an employer, I think it's your responsibility to know what's going on and then give other people that freedom. It made me feel jacked. It made me feel blindsided. It shut my whole operation down. I literally, Biggie and Smalls, we're going to have to do the podcast today. And I don't, they don't have opposable thumbs. So I'm not sure how they'd be with these like buttons and stuff. My guest today is Wolfgang Puck, famed chef and restaurateur. I have followed his career for so many years. I can't wait to talk to him and just hear his story because I have my own idea of who he is. And I'm sure I don't even know half of it. He has three companies, 20 fine dining restaurants, and 50 casual dining establishments around the world. He's arguably the first modern celebrity chef. His story is truly fascinating. He spent his childhood growing up in rural Austria with little money. He went from cooking on a single wood-burning stove with his mother, an outhouse, they didn't have a bathroom inside his house, meat they could only eat once a week, to training and working in some of the top restaurants in France, to moving to the United States and changing the culinary landscape of California with his own restaurants. Today, we talk about the importance of knowing the business side of a creative field and staying involved even as your brand grows. I hope you enjoy it. I can't tell you how excited I am to speak to you. You've touched my life personally in so many different ways at different points in my life that you may not even realize. So as a as a child in Austria, what was the the relationship to work ethic in your home? What did hard work mean to you? What were goals for you? What was your family like? My family, I grew up in Austria and totally in the countryside. There wasn't even a street, really. It was a dirt road. Nobody had a car early on. Then there were two farmers who each one got a car, but not us. We had no telephone. We had no television. We had no plumbing in the house. The toilet was uh, 200 feet outside in the garden, somewhere a little shack, you know. I mean, like you will see today still in the south in some really rural area, you know. So we had only one stove, which was wood burning. And uh, that heated the house and my mother and my grandmother cooked on it. So we grew up fairly poor. We had meat once a week, maybe on Sunday, Wiener Schnetzel with pork or sometimes boiled beef in the winter. So for us, it was really special. But I didn't really miss it because my mother used to make pala chicken, you know, these crepes with, filled with our homemade marmalade and a little sugar on top and a glass of milk from the farmer. Or we had Kaiserschmann, or we had uh, dumplings and noodles and things like that. So it was, for me, the food and everything was still very good. That's really one of the great things I remember as a kid is the occasion for food. My mother baking cookies for three weeks before Christmas and so forth. And the smell in the house. But the rest of my childhood was really bad because I had a stepfather who was abusing us physically and mentally, me and my sister. So that was terrible. We were happy. He was 
working uh, as like as a coal miner and when he used to come home for 10 days uh, he was 20 days working 10 days off I still remember that and for us it was like a nightmare and he always told me I was good for nothing nothing gonna become of me and so forth so my childhood was really difficult at the beginning I remember the food really very well at 14 my mother found me a job in a hotel as a cook's apprentice so I went there and started my apprenticeship. Now I must say, my mother also was a chef. My mother worked in a resort hotel in Maria Verde, Hotel Linde. And uh, so in the summertime during our school vacation, I used to go there and visit there when I was 10, 12 years old and always helped the pastry chef. I loved sweets and, you know, he gave me a little ice cream. He did a lot of things. So was really, I think, good. But then I left. Really, the home 50 miles away, we didn't have telephone or anything. So I couldn't call my mother if I needed something. I had to write a letter. And I started out, it was really not good either. And I remember when I left the home, my stepfather told me, you're good for nothing. You're going to be back in uh, in uh, a week or in a month or whatever he said. And I said, I'm never coming back. You know, I was like, ah. And sure enough, the... I started to peel the potatoes in this restaurant, in the hotel, and uh, uh, about a month into that, we, on a Sunday lunch, we ran out of potatoes, of mashed potatoes and everything, and I was this little 14-year-old guy. It was all my fault. And then the chef called me over at the end and says, okay, you can go home to your mother, you're fine, we don't want you here anymore. You're too little, you have to grow up a little bit. So... And that was probably my worst day. And I said, in my life, because I said, shit, now I have to go home again. I said, I will never go home. I swore I will not go home and uh, prove my stepfather right. So that was a night. In the evening, I went on a bridge over the river and I said, I'm going to jump in the river. I much rather kill myself than uh, uh, going back home. And I was standing and looking down. And then I decided okay, I'm going to go back tomorrow and see what happened. Maybe he changed his mind. And so I went back in the next morning and uh, uh, the apprentice who was ahead of me was all excited because he didn't have to do the onion, the peeling onions and potatoes and all the work. So he hit me down in the vegetable cellar. And so I was sitting there for, like for two weeks, peeling, sitting on a crate, uh, potato crate or whatever. And then... Uh, uh, the chef comes down one day and sees me sitting there and says, what are you doing here? He screamed at me and grabbed me by the shoulder and tried to take me out and everything. And what are you doing here? You're fired, boom, and everything. And I said, I put my hands in and I said, hold on to the bags of potatoes. I said, I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving. And started screaming as loud as he did. And then he didn't know what to do. He called the manager, the owner, and he came down and said, well, if he doesn't want to go home, Maybe we send him to our other hotel and see maybe over there it will be better. And there they had a, a woman who was the chef and she had kids a little bit like my age and she was a little more understanding. And I started there and she just said, you know, shut up, do your work and uh, don't bother anybody and everything will be okay. But it did not start that good for me. Well, first of all, that's, we coddle our kids now in the modern day. It's a totally yeah. different world. We watch them, everything they do. We don't let them just run outside. You were effectively working and supporting yourself at 14 years old, which yeah. would be, you know, some ninth grade. So how, and you have four sons, is that correct? Yeah. 
How do you raise sons now with the influence of what you've been through, but not letting that get in the way because you're now privileged? I mean, how do you balance that? You know, it's very difficult because I want the kids to have what I never had, you know. Same. Now they buy these fancy uh, sneakers, you know, and they said they're $180. And $180 for a pair of sneakers, this is crazy. How can you right. do that? And, you know, it goes, but the kids today, all their peers in the schools, you know, they go to a private school. Now they're in a, in a boarding school in Switzerland. So it is so different than the way I grew up. And in a way, I was really happy to do the uh disney plus movie you know about my life the streaming one and i think so kids actually can see that it wasn't always like that and that my children will see that it wasn't always like that you know because they come to the world when they go to the restaurants they go to the best hotels in the world and they think it's normal you know that's everybody was like that all the time i get it you're explaining but they can never feel it and i do a lot of relief work and my daughter hasn't yet really seen it. So it'll be our responsibility to show them in ways, you know, it's an effort that I have to make more. Although I have a very lovely, sweet daughter and I'm, I'm sure your kids are wonderful. It's just something we think about. Mother's Day is May 12th and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop, but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung Smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. 
So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Do you think of yourself more, by and large, as a creative person or a business person? Because many people are not both. Yeah. I think first, if I would say, is creating. I'm an entrepreneur. I love taking risks and creating new things. That's really my passion, my life. Every day I talk here in my office and says, what can we do new? And what can we do different? Can we start a new restaurant? What are we going to do? We get so many options and so many possibilities, which is really amazing. And, you know, sometimes you have to say, okay, this sounds good to me. This sounds the right thing to me. So, uh, but definitely I'm not in the business because of the money. Definitely not. Because if not, I would own 20 McDonald's and I could sit at home and play tennis or golf or whatever. I love the creative process. Even now, like after this podcast, I'm going to do a cooking class for somebody online. I am not doing it because of the money, because I love to be in contact with people and showing people how to do things. Well, particularly in the world of chefs, I've heard horror stories of chefs being amazing chefs, but then they lose their name in something. I've heard of certain chefs that have a name of a restaurant. They go into business with a partner and they then lose control. Then they don't even have their own name. They have to start over again. It happens a lot in food, right? And um, sometimes when you're a company as big as yours, some of the locations are places you just manage. It is a brand, Wolfgang Puck. So how do you balance all of that? Have you been smart enough to keep most of it? Like, how have you dealt with all those business decisions? We expanded all over the world, you know, not in every country, but we have a restaurant cut in London. We have a Spago in Istanbul, a Spago in Budapest. We have a cut in Bahrain, a cut in uh, uh, Qatar. We have Cotton Spago in Singapore. So in a lot of places like that, would I invest my money in Hungary? No, because who knows the political situation, what it will be. The same thing in the Middle East, maybe. So whenever we are doing things outside of the United States, we sign management contracts just like the Four Seasons Hotel does. It's like a licensing agreement. No. A management contract is different because we manage 100%. So if we are in Turkey or in Budapest, is our chefs, our manager, our responsibility is exactly the same if I put the money up. I don't treat Spago Istanbul or Spago Budapest any different than Spago in Beverly Hills. So we manage it and it's our responsibility to make the restaurant successful, both, you know, as a brand and also make money. So to me, there's no difference. The only difference with that is 
that we don't have to take any risk. You know, there's always a risk when you start a business that it goes out, you know, but this way we don't have a financial risk, but we get into partnership with hotels, for example, like leading hotels of the world, the Four Seasons, San Riches, you name them. They are all about at the same playing field as us. You know, they're like our customers yes. will also stay in this hotel. So the synergy is good. And, you know, then we have restaurants we manage. We have restaurants we own. To me, it's no difference. Well, that's unbelievable because I can't, I find that managing people, finding good people and having control and quality of different areas is very challenging. How do you even do that? I mean, this podcast is for people at home who want to scale, who have their own business, who want to sort of understand the machinations of how it happens. So how can you best describe being able to keep all those balls in the air and then maybe after and have a life without it just sucking you down the drain? Well, first of all, I think you have to be passionate about what you're doing. Without passion, you don't want to be successful because if you're passionate, you're not going to count the hours. You're not going to count how many holidays or Sundays or Saturdays or and how many nights you work. So that's the first thing. If you're really passionate about something, and then you have to learn as a business. You know, it's simple. My mother told me when I was young, when I left my home at 14, she said, you know, all you have to do is make a little more money than you spend. Then you will be fine. Then you don't have to come home and ask for money. Because I told my stepfather, I never want to ask you for money. So that's so simple. And it's the same in the restaurant business. You know what? You have to be sure that you don't spend more than what you make. And I think that's the first point. Then if you want to expand, you have to learn how to delegate. You know, I remember when I started Spago in uh, 1982, uh, the Japanese people came to me and says, oh, we want to open Spago in Tokyo. I said, ah, oh, how are we going to open Spago in Tokyo? I barely can manage one restaurant. You know, Spago was such a huge success after a few months. And then finally, they came back three months later and had all the plans ready and said, we're going to open Spago with or without you. Oh. Well, then I said, okay, let's open it together. So I went there and we became partners with the Japanese and they became successful. But it was very strengthful to go there because we didn't have a really group to manage. You know, I didn't have a, a corporate uh, structure or anything like that. So we went there and then after that, I said, you know, I'm tired of uh, opening Spago. When somebody offered me another location in Santa Monica, I said, no, I want to do Chinese food. What happened is I never cooked Chinese food in, in my life. I never used to walk in my life, really. You know, I was into French, Italian, and all that stuff. And then I ended up opening Chinon Main and oh. made Asian food the way I thought to do it. You know, I didn't want to do traditional Chinese food because we have a Chinatown. We have a lot of Chinese restaurants. So I said, I'm going to do it my way, the way I would think about it. And after a year or so, it become really a good concept. And people oh, love it. That lobster that had like almost like a curry in it, I think. Uh, yeah, and it was yeah, over that right. spinach. I mean, I, I've been, I'm a, I, food is like a memory. I mean, you understand I'm 50 years old. That was 30 years ago. I mean, I remember like it was yesterday, that spinach. And then, oh my God. And you opened other locations of Shinwa. I think, I think there was one, where was it? New York? No, not in New York, but we opened a, a Shinwa in Washington. Uh, it's time we called it, we called them different names. We had one in Bahrain. We had one in Las Vegas for a while, but the rent it was, was amazing. expensive there. And that was not a good time at that time in Vegas when we opened 
But I think we didn't really expand it too much because it was hard to find chefs to do that type of food. You know, they all did French Nouvelle Cuisine or this type of food, but not that type, you know. And you couldn't ask many uh, Americans to use a walk, you know. So, yes, but that was a passion project for you. And we've had very serious entrepreneurs on here and they have all pretty much said, and, and I believe them, they've meant that I could tell that they did not do any of this for money and that many of the business decisions they made, like you describing your wanting to do Chinese food, were, was just, that's what I wanted to do. But it was interesting when you said, they said, we're going to do Spago without you. That sounds like that was maybe your first intellectual property lesson. You probably didn't own Spago internationally. So for business people at home, you learn as you go. It's like case law. Each time something comes to you, you say, oh, wait, they could do that there. Well, why don't I own that? And then you realize you need to own Spago probably around the world, which you eventually did. I assume you own Wolfgang Puck. You own Spago. You own all of those names. Yeah, you have, you have to have a trademark. You have to look after a lot of things, especially when you become successful, then anybody could do it. But I didn't uh, trademark Spago. I barely could manage one restaurant. I was overwhelmed. You know, we had all the movie stars. Everybody used to come to Spago. We were like the center of Los Angeles for that uh, for the Hollywood entertainment world. You know, for me, that was like, it was Billy Wilder coming and uh, John Collins and uh, Sidney Poitier and Kirk Douglas and Sean It was crazy. And, you know, crazy. They all used to come to the restaurant. So I was feeding them. That was my occupation how are we gonna stay busy because i was so scared and i've had always these dreams these nightmares where one day nobody's gonna show up anymore it's gonna be over like you know like a flame and then it's over and uh, i was so nervous about that and a lot of people in the restaurant business told me ah you're so new everybody comes because it's new but our concept even at sparkle was totally new at that time we had an open kitchen no white tablecloth restaurant had an open kitchen at that time. You know, it was like something totally different. And you walked in and you saw the kitchen, everybody cooking in front of you. And I went to the Chino farm, get the best vegetables and berries and stuff like that. The white corn in the summer, it was amazing. So I went to the fish market, to the Japanese fish market, bought the best fish. I kept the cooking simple, but of the highest quality. What do you think about being in school, culinary school versus just the experience of coming up through working in restaurants. What do you think about that? Education versus just uh, experience. Today, education is very important, not just culinary school, but if you live like in New York or in California, you almost have to go to law school to learn all about the laws, because if not, Every dishwasher and busboy have uh, today a, a lawyer. You know, they advertise, the lawyers advertise in Spanish and English on television and God knows where. So if you don't obey and if you don't do your business by the rules, you get in trouble really easily and it costs you a lot of money, you know. So it's really difficult. So you really have to learn that, I think. That's really, cooking for me is the easiest part, is the most fun part. But running the business, you have to watch every little step to do, you do. But even me at my age, you know, uh, about four years ago, five years ago, the Wall Street Journal did an article on me. And then they asked me at the end, so what is your dream? What do you still want to do? I said, I want to go to Harvard Business School. Wow. 
And you know what? The, the dean of Harvard Business School called me a few days later and said, when you want to come? And I started my way along and I said, you know, ah, I never went to college. And the guy said, okay. And then uh, he said, doesn't matter, you run a business. And I said, but I never went to high school either. So oh my I God. Talk, I tried to talk my way out of it. So then uh, finally we figured out they have a program called Owner Presidents Management, OPM. And I signed up for that. I didn't know it was that expensive. I just said, I want to try it once. I always can leave and lose some money with it. But I stuck it out. It's a program three times a month. And it's really interesting. And even I did a lot of different things, made a lot of mistakes, but I learned a lot on how to communicate better and how to be more direct when I communicate and how to look at the business differently. Even if you go to Harvard, you know, they are generally not, Entrepreneurs who do that, that, who go there, is more or less uh, people who run companies or whatever. Traditional who, business. Uh, yeah, right. the traditional things. But I think it was one of the most interesting things to do all these case studies about different businesses. So what I mean, you have to keep your interest up. You have to be ready to learn all the time. And uh, I think for me, that's important. That's why, for example, I read a lot, but what do I read the most is biographies because I want to know how people are thinking, how they became successful. And it can be about Napoleon or Steve Jobs or any anybody else, you know. Do you own the majority of your business? Do you have control over it? Do you have partners? Like, what's the dynamic? I have partners, but I run it 100%. So, wow, the intellectual property is yours. I, I always tell everybody, I only have one boss, which is my wife. Wow. So you, that's, but that's shocking that you own the greatest percentage and you have control. Like, that you, owe, you can do whatever you want and not do what you want. I don't have to ask anybody. If I want to open another Spago, if I want to close one, I don't have to talk to anybody about doing so. I have 100% control. Wow. Okay. That's fascinating. And I don't think many successful chefs can say that. And most people, even myself, have been at crossroads thinking about, do I sell part of it? Do I take money, et cetera? So how have you handled those moments? Because you've probably had many more of those opportunities than myself. Yeah. People have probably offered to buy your brand, buy a piece of it. What were those decision-making times like? I run my business now for 40 years successfully. If not, I wouldn't be here. I don't want to work for anybody because I love what I do. And, you know, I don't want somebody to tell me tomorrow you have to lower your food costs, you have to buy frozen shrimps, or you have to buy meat, which is less uh, maybe not as good as what we buy now or, or don't go to the farmer's market where any year of corn costs twice as much as in the supermarket. I want to run my business the way I feel like and hopefully I can do it for many more years. You know, money, what would I do with money? If somebody gives me $100 million, what would I do? Buy another house somewhere? I only right. can live one at a time. Right, right now, I stay in the nice, I go on vacation, I stay at the nicest hotels get great service, and then I come back and do what I love to do. For me, selling the business to somebody, you know, I think would be difficult, would be very difficult. I feel like giving your child away and then have somebody raise it and you, you are just there maybe to send the money. So that's not what I like to do. And I think 
I have so many people who are with me for so many years and, you know, they probably would get fired because they are making good money too, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. It really is. It's a testament because it's hard not only to be a chef and to keep innovating, but it's hard to run a business and you're doing both and you haven't wanted to get off the ride at all. That is admirable. That says so much. Mother's Day is May 12th and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Macy's makes it easy for your little ones to buy a present for you for Mother's Day. Bryn loves to shop but sometimes has a hard time figuring out what to get me. I have confidence that Macy's Gift Finder will be a great guide for her. Something for everyone at every price point. Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, it's so easy to shop. You can shop by price, category, or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted and gifts for grandma. Plus, Macy's has top gifts like Beats headphones, digital photo frames, Polaroid camera, and Samsung Smart TV, the frame. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. So if you were on a desert island and you could bring five chefs with you for the whole, t- you were going to live there for six months or a year, who would be the five chefs that you would bring? Wow. I would bring chefs from different eras. You know, I would bring a, okay. guy, like, I would bring a guy like Escoffier with me, for example. Okay. I would bring maybe Bocuse with me. So they'll have different people and, and maybe a guy like Adrien Ferrand, you know, 
who started something new. And then I have friends like Daniel Boulou, who I knew would be really serious and make great food all the time. So I think there could be a lot of different different uh, parts of the world, you know, from different parts of the world and with different styles too, you know. So I think uh, obviously like I like Japanese food, I would bring Polinovo with me too. So. Do you um, know the best dish you've ever eaten and what's your favorite, what is your favorite food? You know, I love food and I love simple things. Like I remember we did this big barbecue every year at the Bel Air Hotel, you know, and I invite Francis Melman, Erica down from Tulum, who has output in Tulum and different chefs, Nancy Silverton and so forth from here, who do Adam Berry Lang and they all do barbecue. And Two years ago, I invited uh, Taco 1986 or whatever it was called, and they made the best taco. So next to them was Francis Malman making this amazing beef on his big cupola here, so oh. it over open fire. And I used the taco, a little piece of meat, and their salsa, and I said, that was perfect. And they make such good tacos. So the taco for me was more important than the meat. So amazing. for me, it's really the quality about the ingredients, you know? And the quality, the way it deserves you. So to me, food is an experience. It doesn't have to be expensive. You know, it can be really down to earth. You know, it can be a simple grilled cheese sandwich. But if you have really good bread and good cheese, it's really simple. Amazing. So what has been your most successful venture? Well, I think really it's the upscale restaurants. When I look at it, you know, we do a lot of things, but then, uh, you know, Spargo, Kutch, you know, and so forth. But when I look how much time I spend, if I would count the hours I spent there, then I would say our airport restaurants are more successful. Why? Ah. Because I don't have to go there. My brother runs them and make money with it. So I think... What is really fun is what is my passion are the restaurants. You know, I That's like interesting. Too. Like even now, I still do work with HSN for uh, 23 years. We are selling kitchen appliances and stuff like that and a little food also. I like to do it too because it is successful and I am in contact with the guests and everything. So to me, I don't think it's... Uh, uh, just one thing. It's really the variety. I like to be interested in a lot of different things, you know, and we yes. also talk with somebody like I'm talking with the people from Beyond Meat now and see what maybe we can do with that stuff, because I think there is a future in that uh, uh, group, you know. So for me, it's always I'm always curious. And that's the curiosity what keeps me going. That's why I still like to go to the fish market or to the farmer's market to see what's going on. Yeah, where you're talking about an a return an ROI, your return on your investment, which doesn't have to be financial. It could be the joy or yeah. but what you said is you have a greater ROI on the airports because it's it's the car that sells itself. And then as far as um just your Rose and your thorn. I always ask, like, what the high point of your whole business, not your family, your career has been, and then the, the low point. You know, I was lucky because I started really low, trying to jump in the river when I was 14 and killed myself. And then it started to get better. One of my biggest amazing things what happened to me to make me feel more secure 
to make me feel, yes, I can be good at that, was when I worked at Beaumanier. And Raymond Thurier was the chef and owner there. And he was the first one to took a liking on me. I was working next to him making the sauces. And I still remember, even though there were 30 employees in the kitchen, one day he went away on vacation and I was in Austria on a vacation and he asked the chef, where is Wolfgang? And he said, well, he is on vacation. He said, I'm leaving in two days. He has to be here and make the sauces. I trust him. And I was 19 years old. He was 70 years old at that time. And they called me in Austria, but then we had the telephone and they called me and said, you have to come back immediately. And I, when they said immediately, I said, what happened? They said, yeah, Mr. Tullier wants you to be there because he is leaving. So I said, wow, he really appreciates what I do. And I think that made me feel really good and made me feel more comfortable. And I said, you know, maybe I'm not as bad as what my uh, stepfather said or the first chef said. And then from there on, I went to Maxim's. And, you know, at 23, I became the night chef at Maxim's. The guy who left was maybe 42, 44 years old. So it was really... Uh, a step up every way I went. And I think, you know, to me, it's an interesting thing. I see my life like as climbing a mountain, but not really seeing the top is still in the park. I don't know where it's going to end up and I don't want to know. But I think for me, the journey is what is important. Right. And you're talking about the high point of your whole career was feeling valued, yeah. which is interesting for people who have employees or... Um, work for other people that seems to be more important than money in many cases. This was f absolutely fascinating. I mean, to know so much about somebody, but then really know nothing about them. You know what I mean? Just that's what I love about doing this show, just to learn so much about a person that I've had an idea about, but really didn't know 95% of this. If you have the time, if you get an hour and a half, you know, David Gelb, who did Chef's Table, he did my documentary and uh, with some Disney Plus. And you see really how he filmed it from the beginning to when we became successful at Spargo. Not really about the expansion, but how to get really to the first base camp in a way, you know. That's the hardest part. Yeah, totally, totally. And how, how did it happen? And from the low to a high where Every actor said they were my friend. They, they wanted to be my friend because I had the restaurant. I knew that then already, you know? Right. But that's what this whole podcast is about. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. So I'll definitely watch that. And I hope the listeners will too. Thank you, Wolfgang. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you. That was nothing short of spectacular to just have an understanding and an idea about someone to have eaten their food in airports, have been to pretty much all of their restaurants in the United States and have actually hired him to work for me at different events years ago and have no idea really about any of his journey. I mean, honestly, that was unbelievable just to think about what it takes to become successful as a person from another country, from an abusive background. It's just really inspirational. That was superb. I'm thrilled. So thank you all so much for listening. I'm absolutely so excited. That was unbelievable. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you.
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.